Thank you for listening to this podcast brought to you by Baylife Church Port Stevens. We hope you find this message challenges and inspires you in your daily Christian walk. For more information, visit www.baylifechurch.org.au. This morning, I want to I want to be able to, to to dive into this concept of discipleship, and I want to I want to look at how we discipleship how we disciple as a church, and I just want to throw some questions out there and get us thinking about how is it that God has asked us to love, you know um, Jesus, you know the last instruction that He gave us in Matthew twenty eight was to go and make disciples and. It says, now wherever you go, make disciples of all, ni- all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And teach them, can everyone say teach? That's what I'm going to try and do this morning. Teach them to faithfully follow all that I have commanded you. And never forget that I am with you every day, even to the completion of this age. That's out of the Passion Translation. I'm loving the Passion Translation, by the way. If you haven't gotten into it, have a look at it. It's a, uh, it's a great translation um, of the Bible. It's not complete yet, but uh, I, feel, I think the whole of the New Testament is uh, really good. But the last instruction that Jesus gave his disciples was to go and make disciples. And Jesus came to love, right? This is Jesus came to love, and Jesus came to, to be the perfect sacrifice for that. And it wasn't just his words, but it was actually his actions as well that showed us he loved us. Amen? So Jesus is all about us loving. He asked us to do two things, was to love God and love others. They're the two big things that he's given us to do. And I feel that because that was the, the, um, I suppose the mandate of his life was love, that this last instruction was all about, hey, I want you to go and love this world by making disciples. I want you to go love this world by making disciples and helping them understand all the amazing things that I've taught so that others may come to know me as well. So as the church, this is what we're called to do. Remember the church, I always want to emphasize this, the church is not this amazing building that we sit in. The church is not, you know, the the, the concrete slab with the walls and the roof and the lights and the smoke. This is where we, we gather on a Sunday as, as the church, as the people that are called the church to celebrate, to encourage each other, to come together, to build each other up, to go out into the world as the church and make a difference. That this isn't a place where we just come and get filled up, you know, have a nice meal and go home and forget about it all. We come here to church <laughs> to get filled up to go out as the church. So we are the we are the church. That is right. So as the church, so when I'm saying the church, I'm saying you are called to love people. We are called to love people and we're called to love our community and we're called to love our world. And, you know, sometimes I think that the world can be better at loving people than what Christians can. <laughs> sometimes, and this isn't, this isn't our church, obviously, um, but just... Uh, in, in, in general, I feel sometimes that the world is amazing at loving the world. You know, there's so many NGOs out there. There's so many amazing people out there making a difference, changing the world, doing great things. And that is so good. And we need that. And 
I want to encourage us as the church that it's our job to be loving as well. But we're not called to be an NGO. We're not called just to, to um, you know, do good works. But we're also, we are, but we're also called to help people understand the love that God has for them. And I believe the greatest way that we can love someone, the greatest way that we can show love to someone is by introducing them to Jesus. Amen? So, this morning what I want to have a look at, it comes back to our definition of how do we love people or how do we disciple people. And I want to... Have a look at, can you all see that? That's a cross on a line. It's a very good picture. We're going to say on this side of the line, people are, mind my writing, close to God over here. And over this side of the line, we have people that are, from God. So this side of the line, we have people that are far from God. This part of the line, we have, we have people that are close to God. And I feel as the church, and I just want to suggest this this morning, I just want to throw this out. I was, I've been um, in a few um, ACC, this is our denomination that we're in meetings lately, and, and our state leaders have been talking a little bit like this and, and getting us thinking about how are we discipling, how are we being a disciple-making movement? And I think as the church, we are really good at discipling people in this area here. We're really good at discipling people that are close to making a decision. This cross here is, a, is we'll call it the salvation moment. Someone makes that decision to follow Christ. But as a church, we're really good at helping people get from here to here. And then once they get here, we're really good at getting people from here to here. Is that wrong? No. That's really, really good that the church is good at that. It's really good that we're great at helping people um, that are interested in, in God and, 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 and helping people that, that, that want to know more about God make a decision to come into a relationship with Him. And it's really, really good as the church that we can help people from the decision that they've made grow in that decision or in that relationship that they have made to, you know, um, have, have this relationship with God. And this is, this is really, really good, but I just want to suggest this morning that as the church, we're getting really good at doing this, but how are we discipling people that are all the way down here? Is it showing love? getting someone or discipling someone, loving someone, encouraging someone from here to here? Of course it is. Is it loving someone that's, you know, discipling someone from here to here to here? Of course it is. And this is, this is what the, the church is really good at. And, and, and we're really good at, at, at encouraging people to, to get to church and make these decisions. And, and then once they make that decision, we put them on track and we, you know, we, we, we encourage them to come and do our Growth Steps courses and our Next Step courses so they can learn more about what it is to, to, to be a Christian and what it means, the, the decision that they've made. And, and this is really, really good. And it's all love. But I want to ask the question this morning. What does it look like 
to love someone to the cross, not love someone from the cross. How is the church, are we loving people and discipling people that are so far away from God to this place of making a decision? And I want to suggest this morning and throw the question out this morning, are we discipling people from the moment we meet them or are we only discipling people for when they make a decision? And I want to encourage us this morning as the church that we can all be encouraging and loving people and and, and making disciples from the moment we're actually meeting them and not waiting for people to make a decision in church to be there to encourage them on their journey and their relationship with God. Because, you know, we are all on a relationship, on a, on a journey, right? We are all on a journey. And, and, you know, some people are, you know, down here that are, you know, sitting in the front row down here. They've just got a phone. They just pick up and talk to God. They've been in a relationship with Him for so long. And it's like, hey, hey, God, how you doing this morning? And, you know, they, they talk back and it's great. And, you know, me, I'm like over here somewhere, like trying to figure it all out as a pastor. But everyone's on a journey, <laughs> I'm just on this side of the cross, yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> it is. It's lucky, right? I know it's good that as a pastor that I love God. So, so I'm not saying we're not an outward-focused church. We are. We are so good at loving our community. We are so good at, 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 at you know, putting on great programs and, and helping people and doing things. You know, our, our community focus in our church is phenomenal. And, and I don't want to, um, you know, speak this out today saying that it's not. But what I want to do today is ask a question and get us thinking about how are we loving people and discipling people the moment we meet them, maybe that are far from God. And I think that sometimes... I put this up here and people think, oh, well, that obviously means that everyone far from God are drug addicts or, uh, you know, bad, bad people. We're all bad people. <laughs> God says that no one is good. <laughs> only Jesus is good. Um, and I want to throw the question or the thought out today that, hey, this was you once. <laughs> that was you once that was far from God. That was you once that was not in a relationship with God. That, that was you once that had so many questions. And I want to I suggest this morning that the most educated, loving, kind, phenomenal, intelligent people in our community could be far from God. <laughs> and it's our responsibility as Christians, as the church, that when we meet people, for the first time, when we're, when, we're, when we're creating relationship with people, when we're, when we're deciding, say, hey, let's do life together that maybe you don't know God, but I do, that from that moment, I want to encourage us this morning that we can start discipling from the moment we meet them and we don't have to wait until they make a decision <laughs> to start discipling them in the relationship with God. So this morning, the way I want to connect this is by having a look at a, I'll put this down and I'll play with it, the whole message. 
I have this habit of like doing this with my pen all the time, <laughs> um, and it distracts people, so I'll stop. That was just to show off. You meant to go, wow, that was amazing. <laughs> So this morning, what I want to jump into, and, and the, the passage of Scripture that I want to have a look at today is out of Luke 10, and it's the parable of the Good Samaritan. And I want to, I'm going to read through this, this story, but the Good Samaritan story in the Bible, the, I think the whole why behind it is what Jesus is saying here, is what he's saying, he's saying, hey, this is how you're meant to love someone. <laughs> this is a great story to show you how to love. Remember, God's called us to do two things, to love God and love others. And we're going to see in this story that, that a religious scholar, he stands before Jesus and he asks the question, well, who is my neighbor? And I think what he's actually asking is, well, how do I love? <laughs> because... He didn't want to ask Jesus, how should I love God? Because he was a religious scholar. He already knew how he thought he should love God. But he was confused and didn't, I don't think he knew what it meant to love others. And this is the, the reason why he asked the question, well, who is my neighbor? I feel like what he was actually asking is, well, how do I love? How do I actually love others? And this morning, I pray that as we go through this, um, we're going to jump in and um, pull it apart a little bit. Are we good? Is this okay? Alrighty, let's do it. So just then, a religious scholar stood before Jesus in order to test his doctrine. He posed this question, Teacher, what requirement must I fulfill if I want to live forever in heaven? Jesus replied, What does Moses teach us? What do you read in the law? The religious scholar answered, It states, You must love the Lord God with all your heart, all your passion, all your energy, and your every thought. And you must love your neighbor as well as you love yourself. Jesus said, That's correct. Now go and do exactly that, and you will live. Wanting to justify himself, he questioned Jesus further, saying, What? do you mean by my neighbor? And I think what he's saying here is, what do you mean, what does it mean to love? What does it mean to love someone? Who am I meant to love? Is it everyone that I'm meant to love? Or is there only some people that I'm meant to love? Am I only meant to love people that are in my community, that are in my circle, that, are, that, that believe the same thing as me? Or... Am I meant to love everybody? Who is it that I'm meant to show this love to? And Jesus goes on and he says, Jesus replies. He says, listen and I will tell you. And I would have loved to be in some of Jesus like, just sit down and listen. I'm just going to teach you something. <laughs> that would have been amazing to be there. I feel like everyone sort of sat down and grabbed a coffee and just got, got ready for some um, coffee. Surely was around it. <laughs> There's a whole like chapter on it in the Bible, Hebrews. <laughs> a whole book, you're right. Yeah, a whole book. I'm a dad, I'm allowed to tell dad jokes, okay? It says, listen, I will tell you. There once was a Jewish man traveling 
from Jerusalem to Jericho, when bandits robbed him along the way. They beat him severely, stripped him naked, and left him half dead. Soon a Jewish priest, walking down the same road, came up the um, came upon the wounded man. Seeing him from a distance, the priest crossed the other side of the road and walked right past him, not turning to help him one bit. Later, a religious man, a Levite, came walking down the same road and likewise crossed to the other side to pass by the wounded man without stopping him. I'll get into those two guys in a second. Finally, another man, a Samaritan, came upon the bleeding man and was moved with tender compassion for him. He stood down and gave him first aid, pouring olive oil on his wounds, disinfecting them with wine and bandaging them to stop the bleeding. Lifting him up, he placed him on his own donkey and brought him to an inn. Then he took him from his donkey and carried him to a room for the night. The next morning, he took his own money from his wallet and gave it to the innkeeper with these words. Take care of him until I come back from my journey. If it costs more than this, I will repay you when I return. So now tell me, Jesus says, which one of the three who saw the wounded man proved to be the true neighbor? The religious scholar responded, the one who demonstrated kindness and mercy, Jesus said. And he says, you must go and do the same as he. What a great picture of this, this dude that's been beaten up, that has been, um, you know, he's, he's laying on the ground and, and the Bible says that he's half dead, that he's just been beaten with an inch of his life. And I don't know if Jesus is having a go at the church here or not. I'm not sure. But he uses two people in his story that this religious scholar would have been very, very familiar with, a priest and a Levite. And as he was telling the story, the religious scholar would have been making excuses in his head saying, you know what, it makes sense why they didn't go and do that. So the, the priest would have been you know, probably traveling to, to Jerusalem to, to, to do the sacrifices and, and do his religious works that you know, he was meant to do. And if you went and touched someone that was unclean, it made you unclean, and then you had to go do all this stuff to make yourself clean so that you could then be clean to go and do the thing that you're meant to do. So the religious man was probably thinking, yeah, yeah, that makes sense. That he couldn't have actually gone and done that because if he did it, he wouldn't have been able to do the thing that he was meant to be doing. And the Levite, the Levite's the dude that kind of helps the priest. He's the one that is there to, to you know, help him out and, and make it all happen and make it all work. And, you know, he's, he's probably traveling behind the priest to go into the same place as him to go and do the religious work that he was called to do all that he was, he was meant to do. And, you know, he was walking down the road and he saw this dude as well. He did the exact same thing because, you know, he, was, he had to get to the priest because he had to be there to make sure that he was there to help him out to make sure that, that, the, that the ceremony, everything was going to happen well. And I just was thinking about this throughout the week, thinking about the church and that all this that we do here on a Sunday is amazing. And it's great and it's phenomenal. We can come, we can enter the presence of God and we can worship God. And, but you know what? This isn't the thing 
that actually um, I'm in my heart. It's not the thing that I'm called to do. I'm called to love people. <laughs> and this is the opportunity that I have to do it. <laughs> that I'm called first to love people and love everyone in this world. And that, you know, me being here on a Sunday morning is great. But if I don't love people and I'm not actually here for people and we're just here to play church and, and go through a, you know, this, this, this ceremony, what's the point? <laughs> what's the point of it all? And this is why I love that Jesus pulls out this character in this story of the Samaritan. And it's awesome because there was this racial tension in those days between Jews and Samaritans. And the Samaritans considered the, the Samaritans were considered to be a mixed race by the by the religious Jews. And a Samaritan would be the most unlikely person to stop and help the Jewish man. He'd be the most unlikely person to stop and actually go over and help him. The Jewish man would be thinking, why in the world are you helping me? Why in the world are you helping me? And I just question and just ask, ask these questions, you know, when, I, when, I'm reading the, when I'm reading the scriptures. And I'm like, is the world looking at the church saying, you are the most unlikely person to help me? <laughs> You're the most unlikely person to come and help me in my time of need. And I pray that it's not, and I don't think that our community looks at our church like that, but I never want the community to think that the church is here for people to come to on Sunday that actually aren't there for them during the week. <laughs> that our, our whole lives, the reason why we're in relationship with God is so that we can go and love others, so that He can continue to help us to go into the world, to go into our communities, to show love. So what I want to jump into with three quick points is, well, how are we going to do this? And I don't have all the answers, by the way. I have a lot of questions and not a lot of answers sometimes. And I think it's good to be able to think about this stuff because when we, when we get told what to do, sometimes it doesn't fit our life. But when we ask questions, we can start to think about it and God can talk to you about how he's called you to love your world how he's called you to love the people in your world, how he's called you to, to, to be people in, um, you know, salt and light in the, in the situations and in the communities and in the world that you live in. Because I don't believe that everyone comes into a relationship the exact same way. Everyone comes into a relationship with God differently because everyone's on a journey. And if we think that, you know, everyone is in this spot just here that's so ready to, to, to jump into a relationship with God, sometimes we can blow it. But if we understand that everyone's on a journey and there's going to be people far from God, and I'm not saying that our whole life should be about hanging around people that are far from God, but what I'm saying that our whole life should be about loving everyone in this world and about helping people understand the love that God has for them. Amen? So what I want to jump into is that Jesus told, uh, I'll, I'll take one step back, that Jesus was the greatest disciple maker in the world, right? <laughs> he was amazing at it. He called us to make disciples. And I think that it's important that, you know, we look at what Jesus is trying to say here to encourage us in, in, in how to love. So Jesus told his disciples that he loved them, but he also showed them that he loved them. It wasn't just words. It just wasn't a, yeah, I love my community. Yeah, I love people. Yeah, I do. And it's great for us to say it. And I want to encourage us today that 
words are just words without actual actions. Words are just words. And I say it to my kids all the time, you know, you can be telling me one thing, but your actions are showing me what you really mean. You can tell me that you're sorry. You can tell me that, but your actions are actually displaying what you really mean. And in, in James 2, I'm not going to get into that um, whole scripture there, but it talks about our faith without deeds is dead. And, 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 and it talks about, you know, that, you know, even, even the demons <laughs> believe in Jesus. Every, everyone believes, you know, well, not everyone, but even the demons believe in Jesus. And our, our words are amazing. But I think what James is saying here is like, it's so important that our words aren't just saying, yeah, I love people, I love people, I love people. But how are we actually doing it? Because our, our belief system must affect our behavior. That our belief system has to be a system that actually affects the way that we live. And it can't just be my belief system over here is one thing and how I live over here is different. They have to connect. That my words and my actions have to connect in life. That if we say over here that, yeah, we believe in Jesus and we believe that we're here to love God and love others, that my behavior actually has to demonstrate that. My behavior has to be someone that is actually living out what I believe because what, what James is saying here is saying that if you believe it and don't actually do it, I don't know if you actually believe it at all. What he's saying here is, 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 is if you have a belief system, and it isn't accompanied by your actions, do you actually really believe it? <laughs> because what we believe should actually be something that affects our behavior and changes the way that we live. So I've got three things that I want to have a look from this story that Jesus was encouraging this religious scholar about. And the first thing I think what Jesus is saying is exactly this, that the best way to love others is to actually show them <laughs> that you love others. Show people that you love. And the Samaritan man, first of all, it says that he was moved with compassion. And because of his compassion, his belief system, it says in this, it moved him to action. That our compassion moves us to action. And I think for, for me, what I try in my life, and obviously I'm human, and I don't always get this right, but I try every time I meet someone to actually value them for who they are and not where I think they should be. <laughs> and it's so important that when we meet people in life, that we are there for them as Christians, that we're there for them where they are at, right now. And it's going to come at a cost. It's going to cost you something to love people. The way that we show love, it's actually going to cost you something. It's going to cost you money, and it'll probably, it'll probably cost you money. It'll cost you time. It'll cost, it'll, it'll cost you something. There's a sacrifice in there. We can see that Jesus in this story is saying that the man took the money out of his own wallet. I don't think that that was a, you know, just a throwaway line there that he put into that story. But he made it really clear that the man, the, 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 the Samaritan that was helping this Jew actually took the money out of his own wallet 
and actually made a difference with it. That his heart was connected to saying, you know what, I actually want to be able to help this man, so I'm going to go out of my way. I'm going to use my time. I'm going to use my money to actually help this person that's in need. Another thing that happened, I think, in this story is that the Samaritan man had time and margin in his life to stop. Do you have time and margin in your life to stop and help people? Do we have time and margin in our life to show love? Or are we so busy on the treadmill of life doing the things that, you know, maybe, you know, don't make a, a massive difference in, in, in everyone's life? And I know we all have jobs and I know we all have things to do. We have bills to pay. I get it. I'm there. I, I completely understand it. But it's also so important that we have margin in our life to make sure that when we're meeting people for the very first time, we have time and margin to be able to love and maybe start to disciple. Which means, I think, living a life, encouraging people, helping people, loving people, not necessarily doing everything that they do. I'm not saying that, you know, that's not, that's not how you love someone is to act like them. But it's definitely the next thing that I want to throw out there is that we have to have time and we have to invest into their lives. And the Samaritan man invested his own money and he kept coming back. It wasn't a one-off moment. It wasn't a, oh, yeah, Jesus loves you, you know, you, you know blah, 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 and then oh, I'll see you soon. And then, like, you never see the person for the next five years. You know, we need to be intentional. I feel God places people in our lives for a reason. And it's important that we are discipling them where they're at. You know, Jesus spent three years with his disciples. He spent so much time three years day in and day out discipling discipling and loving and showing second thing that I want to second point of how I think Jesus is encouraging us how to love our neighbor make disciples is to meet people where they're at meeting people where they're at is one of the hardest things I think as as Christians maybe just as as people, because we all have um, this idea of what someone should act like in life or what, who someone should be. But I want to tell us this morning that, you know, everyone in this world has a story. Everyone in this world has a story. I'm not going to go there because I'll cry. But you know what? We're so quick to judge, aren't we? We are so quick to judge. So quick to just put a label on someone. So quick just to say, oh, you know, they're so far gone. <laughs> so, you know, so quick just to jump back into people over here in our life that, you know, it's easy. <laughs> you know, I don't think that God, you know, created us to be in relationship with him for everything to be easy all the time. But we have to meet people out that says that the Samaritan man lifted him up and I love the picture of him going over to someone that was down in the dumps and lifting them up. You know, how are we lifting people up in our life? 
How are we encouraging the people in our life? How are we being there for people at their, 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 their darkest, downest time and just lifting them up and saying, hey, you know what? I'm here for you. I love you. You know, it sucks right now, but hey, there's hope for tomorrow. <laughs> I'm telling you, there's, there's, there's hope for tomorrow that, that, you know, you can even say, use the words, you know, I believe that God has a plan for your life and what you're going through right now is, is not for no reason. That there's no reason that we go through things in life because, you know, it's part of our testimony that we can actually use to help other people. And we start to encourage people and build them up and show them, you know, you know, a lot of the time people in life never have anyone to encourage them to tell that they're amazing, that there actually is hope for the future. That the world's so quick to put label people and just put them down and say, this is who you are, this is who you're always going to be. And because of your past, this is how you're going to live. You know what I'm saying? You know, the Swanee Church, it's a load of lights. And it's our job as Christians to be light and salt in these people's lives and start loving them and discipling them from the moment that we've met them to say, hey, come on, you've got so much in your life. Did you ever know that you're great at that? And encourage, encourage, lift them up. Speak to the gold in them. Lift them up to the people that God has created them to be just as the band comes. You know, Jesus met his disciples where they were at, right? <laughs> They were a misfit bunch. <laughs> they really were. <laughs> but Jesus met them right where they were at. And he discipled them for three years to be the people that he knew they could become. <laughs> and this is exactly the same with people in our lives, that it's going to take time, church. It's going to take time and it's going to take energy. But it's so worth it when you sow into someone's life and believe in them and, you know, slowly but surely... They get closer and closer and closer into making this decision. And I want to show you something exciting to take the pressure off us. That the third thing, the third point today, is that we need to love people to an encounter with Jesus. Because this is the exciting bit, right? That we're called to love. That's all we're called to do. We're not called to save. <laughs> we're not called to, 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 to make people Christians. That's not our job. Our, our job is to love people. Jesus does the saving. <laughs> Jesus encounters. The Holy Spirit encounters. He's the one that does the, he's the one that seals the deal. It's our job to get people into a place where they're willing and open and ready to receive. And you know, the best thing is sometimes it just happens. And, 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 and I love this because, um, you know, as, as I was saying, the encounter with Jesus is the thing that actually is the thing that makes the difference. And I love this because, um, you know, we have, we have a look at Saul for a second in the Bible. <laughs> this man was so far from God. He was the furthest that you could be from God. He was killing Christians. He was, he was the one who held the coats as people stood there and stoned Stephen. He was the one who orchestrated that thing. He was, he was, he was walking along that road to, to, to go and continue to persecute and to kill Christians. Bang, encounter with God. <laughs> Jesus turns up. Radical transformation. Radical transformation. And what happens? He gets renamed Paul. <laughs> And it becomes the man who literally started the church <laughs> that we're sitting in today. 
that an encounter with Jesus church is the thing that changes everything. That's all we need to do is be praying and believing and encouraging and loving. And we get him into situations. We get him into church. We, we encourage him to come to a conference or, or to a life group. And all we got to do is love, love, love. And just the Holy Spirit meets them where they're at. Bang. Life's changed forever. And it's exciting because it, it doesn't matter if they're here, 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 here. God can do it at any time. <laughs> It's not like we need to, you know, or we're going to take them from here and then the next step. All we need to do is point them to Jesus. That's all we need to do. And we point people to Jesus through the life that we live and the love that we have for people. And people see it in you. They, 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 they can see that you, we actually care and we're actually here for people. And we want to see our community in a relationship with Him. Why? Not so that we can have a big church with bums on seat because that's why we've been created. Because that's where we get hope. That's where we find life. That's where we, we find love. That's where we find our purpose. This is where we find the reason for living is in a relationship with God. Why don't we stand to our feet this morning? Church, let's not get professional at doing church. But let's get professional at loving people. Let's get really good at when we meet people for the very first time, not thinking about, oh, how can I get them saved? Because that's not our job. But how can I love this person into a relationship with you? How can I love this person so that they can, they, their heart can be open, their mind can be open to the possibilities of God where it gives room for the Holy Spirit to move and bang, encounter with God. Life will never be the same again. Why don't we close our eyes in this place today? God, we love you. We thank you that you love us. We thank you that you showed us your love, that you sent your son, Jesus Christ, to this earth to die on the cross for our sins. God, I thank you that you've chosen me to be in relationship with you, God, so that I have the amazing opportunity to love people and encourage people into encounter and in a relationship with you. You know, I don't know where you're at this morning. But I feel if you're in church, maybe you've made a decision to follow him or maybe you haven't. And this morning, I just want to give you an opportunity. And this is completely out of love. The reason why I ask people if they want to make a decision to ask Jesus into their life is because it is the most loving thing you could ever do for anyone. <laughs> And the reason why is because I've experienced the love that God has for me and, and I want our world to experience the love that, has for, that He has for them, that He has for you personally. And this morning, if, if you've never asked Jesus into your life, and the reason we do this is just so that we can encourage you in this decision. You know, we don't know who's sitting in this room that... that, that has asked Jesus into the life or not. So the reason why we say, hey, can you just lift your hand? It's The, the hand thing doesn't seal the deal. It's your heart that seals the deal. The hand's for, for us so that we can just go and encourage you and love you and, and, and champion you on and, and continue to help you and disciple you into this relationship with Him. So this morning, if you never made this decision to ask Jesus into your life, I want to give you an opportunity to do that today. It's really simple. All I want you to do is... 
just put your hand up and say, yeah, Chris, today I want to make this decision and ask Jesus into my life. I want to love people. Because, you know, we actually can't really love people until we first know the love of Jesus. So this morning, if you never made that decision, what I want you to do really quickly is just throw your hand up in the air and say, Chris, this morning, I want to make this decision and ask Jesus into my life. If that's you this morning, just put your hand up nice and high so I can see it. And then I'll pray for you after the service. And if there's no one here this morning, that is fine. But I want to encourage us. Let's continue to invite people to services. Let's continue to love people. Let's continue to encourage people. Let's, in, let's, let's continue to be the good Samaritan <laughs> to people in this world. Thanks for listening to the message today brought to you by Baylife Church. We hope the message leaves you feeling challenged and inspired to live out your Christian walk. Please tune in again for next week's message.